Hey, Basic Brown Nerds, this is Joy Valerie. And one of the questions that people are always asking me is, how do I start a podcast? Well, I've been podcasting for almost three years now. And let me tell you, back when I started, there weren't many tools that made it simple to just start. And lucky for you, now there's Anchor.fm and you could get started right away with tools built in, audio features, and also making it really simple for you to monetize on day one. They will distribute your podcast on apps like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. So just go to anchor.fm or download the app to get started and make sure that you share it with us. Hi, I'm Joy. And I am Grecia. And we are Basic Basic Brown Nerds. Hi guys, welcome back to Basic Brown Nerds, and today we have a special guest, D'Angeli, right? That's how you pronounce your name, I looked it up. Yes, <laughs> you looked it up. <laughs> well, I know you, I think you posted somewhere like how you pronounce it, because some people pronounce the Y like a soft, like D'Angeli instead of D'Angeli. Yeah, definitely, my whole life. <laughs> so, um, so it's Grecia and Joy are here. Hi! I don't know, I've been following you on on Instagram for like a while now because I think we have a, an Instagram friend in common, Nico, who went to John Jay. Yes, Nico. Mm-hmm. Who we're actually interviewing later. Yeah, so it's really funny. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, we're interviewing him in like right after we talk to you. Okay, great. I see. John Jay gang. Yes, for real. And well, I went to CUNY. Uh, Joy didn't. I went to tech school in Rochester. I don't feel as cool anymore. But so you started writing poetry just like two years ago? So I mean, I always wrote poetry. Um, I was obsessed with like quotes and book quotes and, and songs and lyrics. Usually like I I never listened to songs because of their beat. It was always because of the words. Um, and I used to write poetry as a kid, but I kind of like left it when I entered academia and figured that like I don't know, I guess I thought poetry wasn't, like, a sustainable, like, hobby, I don't know what, um, and then I left it until, like, I went through a really, really bad breakup, and I just had all these poems in me, and I just started writing and writing and writing until one day I just, you know, a friend encouraged me to start an Instagram just for poetry, and I did, and that's how Afro Dominican X started. So what did you study in John Jay? Because you, I know that you were thinking of going to law school. Is is that what you were doing at John Jay? Did you do like a pre-law type thing? Yeah, so I was pre-law since like sophomore year of college. Uh, my, my major when I first entered was criminology. I wanted to go into like the FBI or DEA or CIA. Whoa. Everything law enforcement, yeah. And, you know... When I started reading about the FBI and the CIA in the state, I realized that that's exactly what I didn't want to do. So I entered like a, the pre-law program in on my sophomore year, and my major I changed my major to humanities and justice, which was like an interdisciplinary major with like literature, philosophy, and history, and just like basically theorizing on like justice. And I I became a pre-law student as well. So like my mind was set. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer before, like, like in high school as well, but something changed along the way and I wanted to go into the FBI and then something changed again. 
And then just, you know, dealing with like my undocumented status just just put me on that path. You know, it was like I couldn't it was at some point it was like I couldn't turn back. I couldn't leave the law because it, it was a part of me at that point. Well, so I remember like so a few weeks ago, I guess you posted how, you know, you were going to originally announce that you what law school you were going to be going to. But now you put that you're going to you're going to move to L.A. <laughs> yes. So actually, I applied to law. I took the outside. I applied. I got in. I got a like. I got an one hundred and twenty thousand dollars scholarship. Wow. Um, to a, to, a, to the top eighteen law school in the country. Damn, so this girl. was this was big, you know. And the whole time that I was getting these acceptances, like my gut just kept telling me, like I don't want to go. And it was a feeling that I couldn't ignore. And I met someone who was a writer who was very bold in his decisions as well. And like, who like dropped out a PhD program because he just didn't feel like it was his path. And just like having that energy around me made me realize what I actually wanted, which was not to go to law school. Um. So one day I just sat down and sent, um, and sent an email to all the law schools that had accepted me saying, like, I'm withdrawing my application. Whoa. And I'm following this new path of writing and poetry and just trying to figure out who am I outside of immigration law because that's what I've been doing since I was 17 years old. And I felt like going to law school would just lead me down that path and I would never really explore what poetry would bring me what social media activism would bring me, what speaking about Afro-Latinidad and Afro-Dominican women in the community that I had online and outside, um, I felt like I, w I would be abandoning that because the school was in St. Louis in yeah. Missouri. <laughs> so I just, I couldn't do it. And my whole life I wanted to move away from the, U from, from, the New from New York and I couldn't because I was undocumented And for the first time, it felt like I could, you know, no longer undocumented, no partner in New York, like no kids, nothing really holding me, holding me here. And I just made the decision. And now I am applying to jobs to move to L.A. and just trying to figure out what I'm going to do there. Well, that's amazing. I feel like that happens with a lot of um, like people that grow up as immigrants and then they start doing work in the community it's really hard to imagine doing something for yourself something that like you just want for for you and like you feel like like sometimes it's hard letting go of this is the way that I wanted to help my community and like finding a different way to do it because it's how you want to do it you know what I mean yeah definitely and like you know I it was hard for me because I, I I'm a first generation immigrant as well and you know my family, I would be the first person in my family to be an attorney. And they had very high hopes for me. I think the hardest thing was breaking into my mom and telling her, like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And not having a plan, right? Because I figured it would it would be easier for her if I said, you know, instead of going to law school, I'm going to get my master's instead. And, and like, and, as opposed to me just one day coming to her and telling her that I'm moving to L.A., And I don't have a job there, but that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> With oh no gosh, plan, she must have lost like it. yeah, my mom did not take it well at first. It took a few months of breaking it down for her and explaining why it was important to me. 
I changed from engineering in college and like my mom, the only thing she said was just like, oh my God, but now I can't tell people that like me, and I was like, really? Like, <laughs> thanks mom. And they're like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. And I feel like That's- it's so hard when you're, especially like when you're in college and you see all your white peers, like they just get to figure it out. And your parents have, like, these super high expectations of you because they're like, well, we sent you to college and you got to do all these things um, that you're just, like, supposed to have a plan and not allowed to just figure it out. I think there's there's a big uh, cultural difference there, too. Um, When I was actually discussing um, moving away and, and not going to law school with my friend, he said something very important. He said that, you know, when white folks go out into the world exploring and seeing what they're going to do for the rest of their lives, they have, they always have a safety net. Mm -hmm. They have generational wealth. They have a family to like, and connections to go to when, if if they ever like hit rock bottom, something that a lot of immigrant children don't have because their parents are starting over here for the first time or their parents don't have connections. Like, you know, people that have been here for generations do. And that was one of the scariest things to do, you know, like realizing that like if, if I fall on my face, like if I if I end up hating LA and like struggling a lot, you know, I wouldn't have I wouldn't be as comfortable as other people would be. I wouldn't be able to just move back. You know, like my parents are renting my room, like, you know, I wouldn't have just like a place to go back to in case I fail, let's say. Although like I'm sure they will never close the door on me. But it's just not the same. No, yeah. And I think that's why it's like it's such a brave and bold choice. And I think it's, um, I mean, so I'm 28, which is like not that old. But <laughs> but I'm like on the other side of like the 20s now, like almost in my 30s. And I mean, I do have a child. So for me, it's a bit different. But mm-hmm. like, I just feel like you really don't have anything holding you back. And the fact that you're completely taking advantage of that is, it's like the perfect thing to do. Definitely. And, you know, being undocumented a lot of the time felt like I was trapped. Trapped in New York, trapped in, like, with limited, um, a limited choice on, on what I had to do the rest of my life. Because I'm like, how am I going to abandon my community? That's what it felt like. Like, I would be abandoning um, the immigrant community if I chose to do anything else um, and also not being able to travel not being able to go to college away from home uh, not being able to to drive to other states because I, you know I didn't have documents it felt like a lot of the time like I was trapped in this like bubble of New York and the Bronx and you know a lot of people are comfortable with staying in the same place but I, I, I never was I always wanted to leave and now, you know, I met in the last few years a lot of people from California, and it just seems like, like it was the next step. And it feels, it feels very organic. It doesn't feel like I'm trying to force leaving, or like I'm running away from anything. It just feels like this is the most logical thing to do for my spirit. And for the first time, I'm not ignoring that, or I don't have, like, you know, my immigration status over my head. No, I completely understand. I mean, I, it's not 100% for me, but in the next few years, like, I, I want to move back to Mexico. And in a way, it's for the same reasons, because I've, I, I still, I have DACA, like, I don't have a 
okay. has to citizenship. So I'm kind of just tired of not knowing whether the la- the next time I renew DACA is the last time I'll be able to renew it. Like, I'm tired of not knowing what I can do. Wow. And I feel like there's something calling me in Mexico. And I think for there's, like, something over there for my writing. Like, I don't know. When I think of my writing, I'm like, I feel like there's something over there that I need to explore. And so do you, what is it about LA that makes you feel like it's going to be a good place for you to explore your writing? I think you're the first person to ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to put me out of my comfort zone. Because living in New York, like Dominican, Afro-Dominican, a lot of people look like me. A lot of people share my narrative. I have a community of people that I, I grew comfortable with. You know, all the Dominican women. Um, I go down the street and there's a bodega with everything that I need. A salami and platano, <laughs> queso frito, you know? And something that I, I learned from traveling is that the world is so vast. Um, and I've never stepped out of this bubble. You know, I've never let I've never left my community. I've never left my mom's house. And, you know, I read Sandra Cisnero, right? I'm here, you know, that's my muse. So Sandra Cisnero, in her last book, A House of My Own, compiles a bunch of stories that she wrote throughout her life. And a lot of them talk about her decision to move away from her family at a point where that wasn't the thing to do. That was in, that was in tradition. And she was the only woman in her family apart from her mom and she said that she had this I don't even know I'm looking for a word bilingual problems she had this hunger right to to travel the world and be able to explore herself in different places because she thought that writers that's what writers were supposed to do and when I read that three years ago it really really hit me because the reason why I was unable to write for a long time write poetry write creatively was because I was not having the experiences that I could. I was very squared in college. Um, I was very squared in high school. I was one of those, like, I must be a good girl because, you know, my mom is counting on me, you know. And it wasn't until after I graduated that I started indulging in everything I could. And that really, really influenced my writing. And that's what I feel like LA would do for me. I'm going to be out of my comfort zone. There's not going to be people there that speak like me or look like me or maybe yes people that will look like me but don't have my Dominican background and I want to explore myself in those spaces I want to know who I will become and who I will be when I land and how I will deal with the the microaggressions um but also how it will grow because of them yeah no California is very interesting because it's like supposed to be very progressive right and very liberal but at the same time I don't know. I think because, like, most of the Latino population over there is Mexican, like, they have, like, it, you know, like, we've been talking about this a lot in the Instagram world, I guess, <laughs> lately, because of, like, for example, right now, it just happened with, like, the World Cup and, like, the Mexican fans, like, yes. the Salvadorian flag, you know what I mean? And then yeah. also just, like, um, so I don't know, I find it, like, really, I mean, I went to California, not LA, but I did a summer class at UC Berkeley, so that's, like, you know, by San Francisco, mm-hmm. and even though, like, I am Mexican, like, I'm a very New Yorker Mexican, and, like, 
I mean, I honestly grew up listening to bachata and merengue more than I did to like, <laughs> like I mean, I listen to like rancheras and everything too. But when we go out dancing, like if it's not bachata and merengue, then like I don't feel like I want to dance as much. Same. You know? So I definitely like felt that when you go over there and you're like, oh well. Like, what am I going to do if they don't play the music that I want to dance to? I have, like, several friends from the Bronx that are Dominican, and I've always been so, like, impressed how people there get to, like, retain so much of their culture. And I think it's because you're around so many people that are like you, whereas, like, you're here mm -hmm. in the suburbs and you have to constantly be code switching. So I feel like, I don't know, like, I'm kind of used to always have to be code switching all the time wherever I am. And then I've talked to, like, other friends that are from the, from the Bronx, like, that are Dominican, and they're just like, I don't understand how people act differently outside of here, because they're so used to, like, always being around people who have similar culture. So I find that interesting, too. Like, is everyone around where you live, like, also Dominican? I think you mentioned that, too, right? Yeah, definitely. So where I live is mostly uh, Dominican, Puerto Ricans, and African Americans. And then some, like, Guyanese sprinkled here, um, some Mexican sprinkled over there, like, but predominantly Dominican and Puerto Rican and Black American. You know, I went to school in the Bronx, and I kind of, I mean, oh, I, I didn't know your school was in the Bronx. Lehman. Oh, yeah. I thought it was, Lehman is, like, two stops from me. Those are my best friends. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to Lehman because I grew up in this, like, really white suburbs. And I was like, I want to get away. And then, like, finally going to a place where, like, most of the people were, like, people of color, people that spoke other languages at home. Like, I love that. Like, I love getting away from here. That's so funny. I feel like I've had the opposite well, upbringing. You... Like, I went to an even whiter school, like, <laughs> in Rochester, New York. That's like You know, that's another like, thing. You know, me that. going to... I went, so I went to middle school right around my block. I went to high school. I went to high school fashion industries, which is in 23rd Street in the city. But I hung out with a lot of Dominicans. It was predominantly um, Dominican, Caribbeans, and, like, Black Americans. Um, and, and then I went to college in John Jay, which is, you know, the CUNY, one of the CUNYs with the most um, Latinos in, in its student body. So I have never had to spend like a long like uh, like an extensive amount of time around like white folks oh, i've yes. always been in this bubble of latinidad and in people of color it's weird because like for some people yes. it might sound like that's amazing but to other people it's like but no it's, it's like i don't know it's like i so feel weird. like i didn't find any other latinos until i was like working and, you know, just, like, so overexposed to having to be in, like, white areas that I was just, like, oh, my God, I need to, like, be Find around them. people who understand what I'm going through. Because it was, like, you know, like, you could, I mean, I could always relate to some folk, but it was not the same, like, to understand, like, your culture, your upbringing, like, why your mom does weird shit and, like, <laughs> and, you know, always having to be on, you know, like, putting on your white voice, kind of, Um that it's, like, exhausting. So I've had, like, the complete opposite experience. But, yeah, I guess it's, like, weird to me to, like, think of someone who's grown up always around people of color. And then you're just, like, oh, my God. Like, how do you navigate the world? Like, it's really different. I mean, it's, it's nerve-wracking sometimes. Because when, when I am around white folks, usually at my job, um, white lawyers, um, or, like, when I would go to these cocktail receptions for law school 
definite like there was a definite like a definite code switch. My voice would get would become like higher. Um, I would be more careful with my pronunciation, but I would feel very very uncomfortable. <laughs> like like everything I said sounded wrong, and I would I would doubt myself so much when I was speaking that I wonder what it would be like to actually go to law school and be in a room full of mostly like white folks. I feel like. I mean, I started working when I was 14 at a restaurant, and then all the clientele was white people. So I feel like from a very young age, I had to learn how to, like, deal with white people, especially when you're serving them at a restaurant and you have to be all, like, nice and polite all the time. Get used to the microaggressions. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, 14... Like they don't phase me anymore. Well, literally 14 years later, I finally feel like I don't put up with what white people say anymore. Like, I finally mm-hmm. found, like, the courage, like, when somebody sends something, like... I'm like, actually, no, lady, that's not how it is. Or, like, like I don't know. Like, I feel like even still, like, I am sometimes in shock. Like, wait, did someone really just say that? Like, and I don't know how to react. Like, the other day at the taco. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. my God. We, uh, I would, oh, wow. We went, yeah, to, definitely. we went out to eat. And uh, it was just, like, a few days ago. We went, I went this out. This was, like, yesterday. Yeah, no? I don't know. It was Friday. It was Friday. Friday Today Friday. is Sunday. <laughs> So two of us got there first, and then we were waiting for Val. And then when Val walked in, the first thing they say to her was, are you looking for the taco lounge? I was like, what? And it was here, like, mind you, it was a brown girl, right? And she's just like, are you looking for the taco lounge? And I was, I was like, (gasps) a seemingly super, like, like, it looked like a pretty nice restaurant. And I, I thought I was underdressed. And I was like, oh, my God. And I walk in. And then, like, the other kid just pops up. And he was like, no, no, no. Her friends just sat down. Let me see her. And so then I'm just like, wait, hold up. Did he just assume the other brown people were my friends? And so we <laughs> oh sit down, God. right? And I'm just like, guys, like, I don't I don't know if, like, I just got profiled. Is this racist? And our waitress <laughs> comes over. And I was like, do you have a taco lounge? And she's like, yeah, it's right downstairs. And I was like, oh my God. I didn't even know, like, were they being racist? Was there an actual taco lounge? So it turns out there was a taco lounge. Um, but it just was so quick that I was like, I'm so used to just like potential racism in the <laughs> suburbs that I was like, was this racist? And we're all just like, I don't even know. And yeah, so. My- You're listening to Basic Brown Nerds, and we'll be right back. Hey, Basic Brown Nerds, this is Joy Valerie, and I have some really exciting news for you. We have launched our merch shop, so you can go to basicbrownnerds.com slash shop and rep the Basic Brown Nerd movement. And this is one of the ways that we can keep making high-quality content and bring you Season 3. Yup, we are bringing Season 3 in 2020. And know that when you go to our shop, you're not just supporting us. You are not just supporting the production of this. 100% of the profits goes back into Basic Brown Nerd so that we can bring you more episodes. But also because I want to make all of the ideas that I have a reality, events, and keep bringing you awesome content that every time you listen or see Basic Brown Nerds, you know that these are people just like you, that in this time where people are talking so much crap about us, that you know that our community is strong, powerful, resilient, that we make things out of nothing. And to be honest, that's how we started Basic Brown Nerds almost three years ago. 
we started in front of a computer and just trying to figure it out. So if you've been listening since then, thank you so much. And when you shop from Basic Browners, you're not just supporting this. You are supporting local business, local Guatemalan-owned business right here in New York. So thank you. And feel free to reach out to us on social media at Basic Browners and also to me at Joy Valerie with two E's on Instagram and Twitter. I am low-key addicted to social media. That's literally my career. (laughs) I work in media. So I'm really excited to get to know you all, but also feel free to send me any opportunities, any ways to collaborate, to keep making this bigger and keep Basic Brown Nerds going. So see you next decade in 2020. Hey, are you a New York City basic brown nerd? Are you also an entrepreneur? Do you want to be surrounded with people just like you over brunch on June 1st? Yes? Well, I'll be on a panel for the executive brunch hosted by the People CPA with the goal to envision and execute surrounded by amazing young executives who are crushing the game. We'll be networking, enjoying gourmet meals, and an open bar. Yeah, you heard me, open bar with gifts, giveaways, and an amazing time. So get your ticket and join me because I'll be dropping some gems alongside these panelists. Check the link in this episode description or go to bit.ly slash bbnbrunchnyc, all caps. See you there on June 1st. First thing, I, I still remember to the day my first encounter with like a racist microaggression. Like, you know, it was just in my face and I was... You know, I'm usually very quick with the replies, mm-hmm. but I was in shock, so I couldn't even say anything. So like it was like the more. first time that I, I went to like that I went to a predominantly white college. I was presenting my research my sophomore year of college or junior year or something like that, and to this like Latin American studies conference in Bing- in Binghamton. And first of all, like most of the presenters were like white women, and. So, you know, we're in this conference, and at first we're having breakfast, and I'm here with my hair. I was, I had just cut my hair, and I just started, had just started my transition into going natural. So my hair was poofy and big, and a homegirl comes up to me, and she, like, fluffs my hair, and she goes, um, oh, my God, I love your hair. I'm like, oh, thank you. And she goes, I want to marry someone like you so that my kids could have kinky hair like yours. you are especially when i mean no surprise here basic brown runs we love to sh- talk shit about men <laughs> people love that and i've been trying to you know calm it down a little bit because i'm like damn 
you know, I'm really petty with men because they're always trifling. <laughs> no, they are like these. But like, at the same time, I'm like them. But I also, you know, I also have a lot of compassion and kindness for men of color. I feel like that's not. <laughs> I'm not shown in I my. I feel rent. like I have the opposite. What I happened? Have, I have like less. Like I put up less with men of color because I'm just like. Yeah, I've been doing it all my life. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just like, come on, like, oh my god, why you gotta no. make like, come on, like I don't know, I'm just like, why you gotta no. I have push to, us down even more. <laughs> I have to say, like, I think I personally, oh, like when I meet, like when I talk about men in general in Instagram, I'm talking about them in general. But I think when it comes to like when I meet them individually, like I always give them the benefit of the doubt, and then they most of them still turn out to be really. <laughs> then they let you down. <laughs> But I was having this conversation with someone because, like, they were also, like, looking at my Instagram and they were also, like, do you, like, hate men or something? And, like, so I just, like, started having this conversation with with him, with this guy. And I was just, like, explaining to him, like, well, in general, like, this is why I say this. And then I was, like, but do I treat you like trash? And he was, like, no. And I was, like, exactly, because I treat you the way that you deserve to be treated because of the person that you are but if you were giving me all this shit then I would be treating you like that <laughs> you know I feel like my, my patient runs out fast when I'm dealing with Dominican men I'm pretty sure you guys have noticed that um, they're just a nuisance like they're just See, do you think like, it's because you've dealt with it all your life that's like, exactly <laughs> it because I'm just saying sometimes I, I see like non-Dominican women out here online like thirsty for Dominican men I'm like oh no 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 so you don't know what so you're getting we into we need to have a talk I feel like a lot of Dominican women feel that way too <laughs> like I have I, a lot of Dominican girlfriends and, and then it's like, like the that. most like demon aesthetic they could have like I hear with the beard and then I'm like y'all y'all be like in the demon as Dominican men <laughs> That's so funny because the other day I was talking to so one of my best friends, she's Dominican. And like there was like this one guy that was like, oh, he's kind of cute. And then I was like telling her like some of the things he was saying. And I was like, okay, can you please tell me? I was like, do you think he likes me or do you think he's being Dominican? Because I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> What's the word? Tigre. That's like what everybody was saying when we were, um, me and my friends went to the DR. They were just like, ah, this is un tigre. And like... <laughs> but the thing is, like, Dominican men are very good at, at pursuing you. Suave. They, very suave. They have game, you know? Like, <laughs> they will make you feel like you are, like, el ombligo del mundo. <laughs> like, you the shit, girl. I'm here for you. Like, I'm here because of you. You a queen. <laughs> While they trifling on the side with a whole separate families and three baby mamas. <laughs> And you know, I you know don't get me wrong. Like Dominican men are amazing dancers. Dominican men can be very very romantic, um, and sometimes they're you know great friends. But that's why you keep them as friends. <laughs> the kind of trifling I have seen from like Dominican from my Dominican male friends, it's like yeah, you're like you're the reason, you know. And I love you. You're my you're like you're my homeboy, but like. Like, other women need to watch out when you're around. That's they have game, y'all. Please don't fall. To <laughs> <laughs> so all the listeners, please don't fall for... If you are falling for Dominican, come see me. <laughs> you can follow her. Give them your IG handle, girl. Afro-Dominican X things. Afro-Dominican X and things. I need to change that long-ass Instagram name. 
<clears throat> it works though. It, I love it, but at the same time, it's like I always have to like deletrearlo, like make sure that people can get there. But yeah, I just you know, I'm I'm just warning y'all, being a good you know human being. You could like Watch start uh, an app that's like a Dominican man assessor. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, I can read Dominican men very well, you know? I feel like that's a skill that I've developed over the years. So just send me a picture and some <laughs> screenshots of what he's texting you, and I got you. Yo, that's so funny, because I feel like I'm the same with Mexican men. Like, one of my friends started dating a Mexican <laughs> man, and I saw, like, a picture of him, and I was like, I know exactly who he is. I was like, girl. <laughs> that's my cousin. That's <laughs> Probably though, honestly, I actually like. I feel like I'm very, I'm very unique in my like group of friends because like where we live, like a bunch of Mexicans live here, and they they happen to be from like the same little circle of towns where I'm from in Mexico. And like every time I go out, we bump into somebody. My my mom is like, "Oh, ese es tu primo, ese es tu tío." Like, and I'm just like, I cannot. <laughs> with a Mexican dude because I'm probably related to them like oh my god you're the worst like you're the worst stereotype no like, like if a white person was like do you know this Mexican person you're like, and you'd be like oh, how dare you we don't all know each other but yes that's my cousin <laughs> <laughs> no for real though like I am a really I'm I try to like not talk to people about that stuff because like I do love tequila I do like I love spicy food what do you mean that like, stuff your Mexican stuff yeah no like I try not to let them know from the get-go that I'm like that Mexican person that they that like likes jalapenos and drinks tequila and stuff like that you and know and sings to chente and sings to chente I try <laughs> Oh my god. The first time I went to a bar in Queens, it was like, you know, in Jackson Heights, and Vicente Fernandez started playing and they came out for free shots. Oh my god, where is <laughs> this bar? Tell me. Literally free shots when they put the ranchera. Oh my god. Because, like, I mean, I don't really listen to that, like, on a daily basis, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, like, when I came here, I came here in 2000. And I, all my cousins, like, they were all into, like, fulanito and stuff. So, like, I grew up listening to that, to, like, merengue, like, cleaning in the house. It was, like, uh, like Los Ilegales. Like, that's what they were listening to. And, <laughs> and I feel like I just had, like, such a New Yorker childhood, not so much, like, Mexican. You know what I mean? Because it was also, like, salsa and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't just, like, Mexican music. Did you grow up with, like, Ana Gabriel, Amanda Miguel, uh, all those, like, lady singers at home? Yeah, no, I think we, I think I, like, messaged you once when you were putting up, like, some of the songs you were listening to, like, Amanda Miguel, like, El Me Mintio, oh my god, that song is That's my shit. You know what, in my feelings, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, because that's what I, that's what I grew up with listening at home, like, obviously, Yato Achata de Merengue. Uh, but a lot of like those like depressing like mm-hmm. I lost my man he cheated I want him back songs maybe this is why we're just so ingrained with the men are trash everybody be telling us that they're trash since the beginning Paquita la del barrio told me this a long time ago <laughs> they tried to <laughs> warn us yo Paquita has the best karaoke song for like a yes. drunken night at 3am definitely <laughs> I feel like that's what I need I just like need some karaoke to like get it out we need yeah. Latino karaoke. For real, though, I've been, like, I love, like, especially, like, Latino, like, like, 
like what my aunt would do, like at the family party, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., they put out, you know, the ranchera starts coming out, um, and those like depressing baladas. Yes. I feel like that's what I would like a karaoke to be like. But I go, <laughs> I know. And, I, uh, just out here singing at the top of their, lo- their lungs. That's, <clears throat> that's what I grew up doing. And when I went to like a karaoke bar and all they were singing was like, Stop, stop. Yeah. Please. Yeah, yeah. No, I did not have fun. And I told my friend, like, all of them thought I was like just like being rude. And I was like, I am sorry, but I have very high standards for this kind of activity and this does not live up to it. <laughs> I think this is another business opportunity, guys. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> we should. We totally should. Karaoke Saturdays, karaoke Sundays. But so, do you know when you're moving? So currently, I've just been looking for jobs, um, and out here writing my cover letter. You know, available to relocate upon hiring. Yes. Um, my fellowship ends in late August, so I'm hoping that by you know by late August, by early September. I'm already set to leave. I don't have a, like, I, I don't doubt that I will be. <clears throat> but honestly, I've, I've even considered just picking up and leaving and just figuring it out when I'm there on some, like, eat, pray, love. LA version. <laughs> <laughs> Dominican version. My mom and kiss my ass version. You, you should write that book, though. I will read it. <laughs> what is it? Hey, I'll write it in Spanish. Leaving, it'll be it'll be something along like leaving Dykeman, um, <laughs> para Los Angeles, some bullshit like that, some Dominican, yeah, uh, title. And then tell us where you find like uh, salami over there, because I had a friend that uh, from college who also Dominican from the Bronx got to Stanford Law School, and I remember she she got like what is that? company like queso tropical or something they sent her like a care package over there I remember. what yeah. Oh, yes. up, girl. yeah they sent her like a care package and they sent her like the cheese and a salami and a bunch of other stuff that she I could not find yeah i don't think there's much caribbean out there no i mean so so there's this instagram called dominicans and cali and <laughs> there's all five of them <laughs> oh 100 followers um no, so I hit the bump and I'm like, so where do I find platanos and salami? It's <laughs> <The laughs> funny because I was, I was just hitting them up as a joke. I was like, you know, I'm moving to LA. Like, where do I find the platanos and the salami? And homeboy goes, um, he gave me the the actual like supermarkets and where to find platanos. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, good luck on the salami. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to have to hit up the company and be like, send me some. You know what? For Christmas, what I'm going to ask my mom to do is just to, you know, put some salami in a box and, like, overnight mail. There you go. I'm sure there there has to be. My mom, actually, they do a lot of retreats, and a lot of people come up from the Bronx, and they're mostly Dominican. So my mom had to, like, learn how to make Dominican breakfast, like, for the retreats. And there'll be, like, piles of salami in the morning. That's what I need from Mango. We're Guatemalan, so maybe other Guatemalans have picked it up too, you know? <laughs> so I even consider, like, starting a business over there and just selling Dominican food. Yeah, who does that? I, li- I really thought about that. Yeah, I mean, come on, like, the West Coast needs, like, new food over there. Oh, my God, and then just, like, you know, like, put put some bougie-ass name and then, like, make it look really hipstery. Yeah, just be like, this is organic salami. <laughs> organic from my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's really yo it's a joke but that's really how white people be out here yeah no you know like, hustling like other people's cultures yeah you might as well just like you know sell your own <laughs> <laughs> like, this is real. like authentically made by a Dominican in the well, Bronx, any, then, aka me. But then all the famous Dominicans that like l- have to live over there, they're gonna be like, "Oh my God, I can finally find this here!" And then next thing you know, you'll be the it spot for all the Hollywood people. Oh my God, yes. This is not a bad idea. You know, Drake's fake Dominican ass. You know, he yeah. might find me in LA. Yo, I call him. I call him Drake. Drake. <laughs> he swears. He swears. He like. First of all, he looks like any bouncer you see on Dykeman. Yes. <laughs> he looks like your regular bouncer on his day off. That's and funny. he just be out here repping Dominicans like he's one of us. He they look like a Dominican uncle. <laughs> I think he thinks he's Dominican. He's just accepted it. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> it's in his heart or something. I don't know. Oh, my God. But this was, like, so nice talking to you. I think before you leave, we should hang out. And, I think like, we meet have to in do person. karaoke. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I'm trying to, like, maybe when I, find it, when, I, when I finalize when I'm leaving, having, like, just a bash. Let's do it. Everyone get together. For some like bachata, merengue, salsa, someone to teach me um, cumbia. So I got yeah, so to ready. And this ready is where the go. Selena comes in. <laughs> someone teach me cumbia, with a quebradita. Oh my god, yeah. We'll have to tell Nico too. <laughs> <laughs> so that I can just go and be prepared for the for the you know the clubs. Oh yeah, cumbia is like a huge thing out in LA. Yeah, like they I, have like cumbia. What is it? DJs. Yeah, like DJs. I am. Uh, you know, and that's something DJs. that I'm not used to. I, I, I've never heard cumbia like played in clubs until I started like going to Queens. <laughs> I and I would very love to go to Queens because I'm in the Bronx. That's a two-hour commute. I've never been to a place where they put cumbia here. I always just go to like. The places where everything is like reggaeton, bachata, merengue, salsa. Like, actually, for me, cumbia is like if I go to a wedding or something. <laughs> actually, no. But, only until I started going to like the Selena things. That's really it. Yeah, but, I don't know. Just kind of every every out. person I follow who's from, who's from California, every story when they go out, it's like cumbia's playing. Yeah. I don't know. Even though I'm Mexican, I feel like after a while I get tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, have... Well, here's the thing. I was like, just talking about this to somebody. So my, like, rem- again, my first job, I was, it was at a restaurant, and the cook was Dominican. His name is Arsenio, and he used to play the same CD by Anthony Santos like over <laughs> and over and over, to the point where I hated Anthony Santos so much, and I didn't start enjoying like his music till I was like in college and hadn't worked there for a few years. Like, once I had distance <laughs> from him. I was finally able like to Christmas like music. yeah. Then I was finally able to like enjoy him because I only heard like the same like thirteen songs by him over and over again. Oh my god, that's the worst. But then for I, me, it's like I never, I never just sat down and listened to Anthony Santos. Like you know, that's like growing up. That's like our parents' music. But if Anthony Santos starts playing like in a party, I'm hyped. Like, I'm in there. No, yeah. For me, that's, like, dancing music. Like, my listening music and my dancing music are, like, two different things. And, yeah, definitely. Same. 100%. Yep. Or something, like, I'll blast in the car while I'm driving in the summer. 
Definitely. Definitely. Because I'm here listening to mostly, like, American English music most of the time. and But, like, a party with, like, just hip-hop or just, like, house music is not my thing. Like, no, see, I I'm not. Like, I need some bachata merengue. Some trap music. <laughs> but, like, Latin trap from Bad Bunny. Yes. Oh, my God. I'll have to send you. I just saw a video of Bad Bunny with a bunny. <laughs> I saw the, the one he dropped. Oh my god, what? he dropped he it? He dropped it? No, yes, I didn't see did. that. I just saw him petting it. Yes, he was petting it and then he dropped it. Oh my god. <laughs> he said, the, watch he the away from him. And then there's another stupid. video of him who just like, he's like getting out of a car and he saw a party bus parked in front of the hotel. Homeboy jumped into the party bus. Oh my god. <laughs> if that happened to me, I would faint. Because everyone knows that's my man. <laughs> okay remind me to not yeah everyone loves him so much i mean obviously like i love his music but like i don't really watch music videos or like anything so like i don't really know what he looks he like ha- he has a he just looks like a fuck boy kind of like he is 100 percent a fuck <laughs> he has the fuck boy aesthetic you know i don't even i, don't even, I never i'm never even attracted to like white latinos <laughs> and like i'm pretty sure if i knew bad bunny in real life i'd be like mm, you know you're not you're not for me but I think it's the vibe. It's but like, like you know, that's get it for a vibe. night, you know, just just do a night. <laughs> he could be added to the rotation for a little bit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, like you know, nothing he's just scary. Not permanent. Nothing you bring home to your mama. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god! Well, it was so nice talking to you, and really, like, I we're really excited just to like see where you go because I think everyone, I think like the vibe around you is like you're gonna get really far and you're gonna make it to places and you're gonna be brunching with Sandra Cisneros on Instagram like. oh my god yes tag us <laughs> thank when you that so happens. much like I am very excited so I need all the good vibes I can get yeah and so anyone in LA hit her up yo for real though if you're in LA in September we're gonna be friends <laughs> you don't have a choice <laughs> just slide in my DM you don't have a choice we're friends now Take me to your aunt's house for some, you know, tamales. Yeah, I never, I never had tamales, y'all. Can you believe it? Oh my god! Oh my god! No, I yeah. thought tacos had hard shells until like three years ago. Oh my god! What? I know that's <laughs> like what? All right, LA people, you gotta really do it for her. Actually, the other day I was looking at who listens to Basic Browners, and LA is like top city, so oh, they're okay. listening. So they better be taking care of you. And find you some salami. We know you're listening. We know you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you know a place where they're selling salami, buy me some and save it. Because I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. And we wish you the best. We're going to be keeping up with you. And um, and thank you for being with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We're definitely going to get together for a bash. Yes. <laughs> That's going to be the podcast in September. Yes, definitely. <laughs> discussing the bash and the shenanigans that happened. Oh, Lord. I like it. Or not discussing them, if you know what I mean. True, <laughs> true, true. We're going to go on the 24-hour story and that's it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, y'all. Oh, actually, so one last thing. So Val has this thing where she loves taking out the trash, where she talks about, like, a trash man in her past. If you want to complain about somebody, yeah. you don't so have to is... name names. You just have to say, like, what they did and why they're trash. So this is what we do. We give them the nickname, you know, because everybody gives all the mans a nickname. 
and then you just like spew him out out of your system never to be spoken again just unleash out taking out the trash so i don't know if you want to take out a trash i feel like i already took them took them all out good for you girl (laughs) i feel like no because you know i just you know i i always think about this right um a lot of the men that i have dated were shitty partners but many of them were great friends and when the relationship ended what i found was that like they were shitty partners because they were obviously emotionally unavailable they were out here struggling with their own bullshit that i shouldn't have been healing um but they were you know i learned to see them as full-blown human beings and i can't say that i've had like I can't say that I have someone who I didn't forgive or someone that I didn't understand, like, why they treated me the way they did. Doesn't mean I'm going to have them in my life because they dusty. <laughs> but also, like, I feel like the trash that, that I took out was me leaving the relationship. Wow. So that's it. So you know? deep. Mira, no, I'm a single-ass woman. That's all I need. No <laughs> men harassing me and bothering me. No, yes. where I'm going. But yeah, thank you so much, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Right, thank you, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Bye. Gracias, you too. If you have any questions or feedbacks, or if you want to submit to your version of taking out the trash, telling us about those trash men in your lives, email us at basicbrownnerds at gmail.com. Go to patreon.com slash basicbrownnerds or you could donate directly to us at Venmo at basicbrownnerds. Bye! Bye! Thanks for listening to Basic Brown Nerds.